The Elvis Cast with Grant Bench. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Today we continue our chat with my friend Michael Memphis Williams, and in part one we heard about how Michael became an Elvis fan, and in this section there's some topics in the Elvis world I wanted to raise with Michael and get his opinions. And we started with the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie, and I asked Michael what his first thoughts were when he first saw the movie. I was pleasantly surprised. The main reason being I've never seen... Elvis portrayed in a way that made me comfortable, that he didn't look like a caricature, that it didn't just do a bad Elvis voice or overplay how he used to move on stage or his speaking voice, obviously. Whereas I thought Austin Butler captured the essence of Elvis in a way that I've never seen before and I don't think we'll see again. The other side of the coin, of course, is the historical inaccuracies. And I think it's hard as an Elvis fan to the level that you and I are at, where we've probably read way too many books about Elvis, seen too many documentaries. Um, It's been way too long discussing him. Obviously we know about the historical inaccuracies, but I think we've got to keep in mind that most biopics are like that. You watch a biopic and then you go read the the true stories and they're inspired by. And I didn't think it went too far. I think to a degree it probably... Again, this is a whole can of worms here, but it demonised the colonel probably more than what I believe it needed to. Of course, the colonel was a flawed man, and we could certainly go into that and see at what point it would have been beneficial for Elvis to cut the colonel off. But the essence of who Elvis was, what he represented, what he did for pop culture, what he did for music, I thought was all represented really well. Was it a perfect movie? No, but was it? Was Baz Luhrmann the appropriate director for a movie about Elvis? In my opinion, yes, because as I discussed earlier, Elvis is all flash, colour, sound, and that's Baz's world. So I saw it four times at the movies. I know you saw it more, and I don't see movies four times that I don't appreciate. A little bit annoyed that it didn't win an Oscar. Yeah, I thought Austin might have have got it because I think, like you said, Austin's dedication and portrayal in wanting to do Elvis justice was something that – touched me personally in that he was doing everything possible to honour the memory of Elvis and everything he said prior and since. I can't make me think any more of that. Well, I think before anyone says anything negative about Austin's betrayal or the movie itself, they need to consider what Lisa Marie Presley's reaction to it was. And she seemed to think that it was brilliant and seemed to be personally touched by it. So if we keep that in mind, I think if it gets the stamp of approval of his only child, who am I to say that it's not a great movie? Yeah, I know the first time I saw it, I was I was a bit overwhelmed. And I actually took a, a good friend of mine who... Uh, you know, not real a big Elvis fan. So I spent the next hour, why did they do this? And why did they do that? And, <laughs> and so, of course, when I went back and saw it a few times more, it was the essence of it rather than telling the story. And as you said, with biopics, uh, that's how they do them. I mean, I, I went and saw the Johnny Cash one and, you know, they have a, a scene in there where he's he's in trouble and everything, but he actually went into a cave. Well, they didn't show that in that movie. That's that because they're telling a story. They're doing an entertainment movie. Exactly. Well, they've got to cover forty-two years in what two and a half hours, and you need to keep that in mind. And I think it really is just the essence. And one of the concerns, I guess, is every now Touchwood. Hopefully, it's not true. But every Elvis song has now been recorded. Elvis is not going to tour in person. And if we want it to keep continuing from generation to generation, it needs to be stimulated. And what better to stimulate interest in Elvis than? an international hit of a movie. And that's what it was. Like It's all over the place. I've got numerous friends that I've tried to push Elvis on to for decades that would blatantly ignore me 
that now send me text messages asking, oh, which bit was correct in this bit? I like that. What song was this? And that's telling because I, I try pretty hard to push Elvis onto them. And turns out Austin and Baz can do it better than me. And I think that's a positive thing if we want interest in Elvis to continue. And we need interest in Elvis to continue if we want to keep seeing new releases that there needs to be profit for Sony or anyone else to put anything out. And to make profit, we need an audience. And I think exposure like that generates an audience. Well, you mentioned uh, new releases. There was one that uh, came out not long ago that I'd be interested in your opinion on, and that was the Elvis on Tour box set. Last year was the 50th anniversary. It got delayed. It got released online early, and we were hopeful for some outtakes. It didn't happen. But what did you actually think of the, the box set itself? What do I think about the box set? What was I think initially I was probably a little disappointed. I thought the Blu-ray might be different from what was previously released. I always hoped that there'd be extra footage, especially because there had been footage in the Elvis movie that hadn't been released previously. And the concerts, well, they have been available previously if you look around on bootlegs and things. But I do like good packaging. I thought it was packaged well. And I know I hear some people go, I can't listen to the same or a similar concert back to back, back to back, but I actually can. And I like having them in a box set and you've got to keep in mind, again, it was a release more for the general public than for us. So I think, you know, most of us do have bootlegs or got follow that dreams that have been released. Whereas these are general public releases that, you know, are going to appear in your, your local record store if they still exist in your area. So as a whole, look, I, I've heard, I've read a fair bit of criticism of it online I always hope for more and all the things I've been hoping for, you know, the unreleased concerts and unreleased footage, the visuals didn't have that. But as a whole, I think the sound was fine. I think the presentation was fine. And I like having a box set like that because I literally will put one concert on and then I'll put the next concert on, then I'll put the next concert on. Did I prefer the 69 box set that came out a couple of years ago? probably just because I love those 69 concerts, but I'm glad I got it. So I, I wouldn't knock it, but as a hardcore fan, I guess you always long for a little bit more, but for the general public, I, I think it's fine. I think there was a little bit of a rush to release it because of legal constraints of what I've read. Uh, now that 50 years have gone by, they needed to get it out to maintain the copyright, but I, um, uh, I'll look on the positive and think at least we got it. Well, that, that, that ship had sailed a long time ago. Like you said, I think probably about 30 years ago when I started getting some of those concerts on, on CD. That They are nicely mixed, I, I will say that, but uh, I was hoping for more. The only thing that really annoyed me about it was the uh, the packaging, where they had the, the Blu-ray stuck inside, you know, almost needed pliers to get that thing out of there. And then when I did put it in, it was the same as the three copies I've already got. <laughs> I, th I will say that about Follow That Dreams and some of the Elvis releases in general. They do compare them to Memphis Recording Services packaging, the way they do the, the sort of booklets, CD, hardcover, all as one. I do think that Sony need a little bit of work on their packaging, but maybe that's a tradition with Elvis because don't get me started on the cover of some of Elvis's albums. Would have it killed them to put a little bit of creativity into that. But anyway... Now there's a good subject for a podcast, Elvis's album covers. That I could talk oh, for I could gosh. talk for days about that. There's some that you look at it and you go, Who thought that would be a good idea? 
I mean, <laughs> I swear it's like, do we have one photo of Elvis? Yes, gang, let's release it. That, no effort at all. What's yeah. your What's your favourite album cover? Well, least favourite album cover, I should say. What's What's your favourite of the bad ones? Try. There's so many, Grant. What, what would it be? I'll, I'll give you one that, that I was actually looking at the other day, uh, and that was the uh, the '56. It was called Elvis the Sun Sessions. It was released in the, the mid seventies, and it's got a you know a sixty eight head of Elvis and a gyrating body on the on the front of this. <laughs> like, I know the who, one you're talking like, about. Would El, who looked at that and thought, "Yep, that'll do," and it's totally well, different to the one that was released in the UK. And you look at it, and you like, Elvis must not have seen that because oh, it was certainly kicked up a stink. Well, from Elvis in Memphis has that cool picture from the 68 special. Then you go on the back and there's a promo shot from like, I don't know, Viva Las Vegas or something from, what, five years earlier. <laughs> like, go, Here's Elvis with the helmet hair. I've never been a fan of his hair in Viva Las Vegas. So then here's cool new mature Elvis on the front. It's like, could we not got a second photo from this TV special that's done so well? And don't get me started on all the 70s concert photos like you know i hear elvis was a bit over photo shoots from that point but let's find one with some bad lighting elvis looking off into the distance and yeah let's say any release after after 1970 i'm not really a fan of the cover well if anybody listening would like to email in with their uh, least favorite album covers go right ahead just send them to grant at elviscast.com and i think You've stuck me. I'm going to do a podcast about that, and I'll go through my my top ten because there's there's quite a few. Now you mentioned a couple of times the the Follow That Dream releases, Michael. Now for those mm-hmm. who are not sure what they are, it's an actual Elvis Presley collector's label, and I'm constantly my people that, that I work with, uh, I'll go home and say, oh, "I've got a new Elvis CD," and they're like, "How can you possibly have a new Elvis CD? Don't you have them all?" I'm like, well, they keep releasing them, so I've got to keep buying them. But the Follow That Dream collector's label originally was going to be three or four releases a year. You were never going to be able to get them again, but it's expanded into something even more. And I think we we might even do a a podcast just on on the Follow That Dream releases themselves. But uh, do you collect them, Michael? I certainly do. I've been collecting them almost from day dot. Um, For me, one, it's... It's an access to more music, obviously. And some of them, it's great where you get, they're doing more now where you hear more of the entire session to a degree. There's always some editing in between. But you get to hear the progression of a song because you sort of don't think about the fact that they didn't walk in generally. There is a couple of first take uh, masters out there. But uh, it takes a while for them to get a song together. A lot of these songs they were doing, they, they weren't doing on tour. Like Elvis wasn't touring after what, 58 for a long time. So they'd go in, they're basically learning the song, deciding how the song's going to go together, including Elvis's vocals. So I find it very interesting to hear the evolution of the song. And of course, for me, I'm as interested in Elvis, as I mentioned earlier, the man as I am the musician. So you get to hear that banter in between. You get to hear what it would have been like being in a room with Elvis, what he's like. He's very cheeky and uh, not as not as wholesome as presented in uh, in the movies, etc. with some of that, that language. I always used to like playing them. My mum, as I said, big Elvis fan, I always thought Elvis was a very, very good boy, clean cut young man. I'd always enjoy playing the follow that dreams with the, some of the some of the banter in between. Well Elvis is a little bit of a naughty boy. Um I, I think they're great. Are they great for the, the general public where I'm the same thing where I tell people, I've got to follow that dream and there's, you know, 
15 takes of one song, I think a lot of people would think that we're crazy. Um, yeah, my mum's thought, <laughs> if your CD player's got stuck, it keeps playing the same song all the time. <laughs> there, there is a bit of that. It's good. It's better if you're really into the song. If it's not one of your favourites, it can get a little uh, dry. But I must admit, I've bought a lot of the Follow That Dreams, and I still have a decent percentage that are in the wrapper because I've got this plan where Elvis is not recording any new material. But – I will continue to hear new songs because I drip feed myself the CDs. So if I get three Follow That Dreams, I know, unlike you, Grant, because I know you listen to them all straight away for like 24 hours straight. Yes. Um, I'll actually put some on the shelf and I'll still, I've got a couple that I've had there for over a year because I don't want to hear everything at once. I want to always get that excitement of a new Elvis track. And for me, there is a lot of their live recordings, um, which is great. I want every Elvis concert he's ever done. But for me, it's more the, the studio stuff. So especially those, I'll put them to the side. For the live concerts, they're great when I'm going for a drive because I can just, you know, yell out, do my own Elvis concert, do a bit of dancing, try not to run over too many people. But uh, with the studio stuff, it's sort of you want to be alone, taking it in. And I, I, I've saved – there's some Jailhouse Rock takes I still haven't uh, heard. So uh, yeah, I'm just constantly fascinated by them. And I'll go to lunch and I'll, I've probably heard two songs because I've listened to the whole the whole session. I, I just love listening to those. And just recently was released um, as a Let Me Be There is the latest one. It's a three CD from 1974. And it had something that I'd read about quite a while ago where – Elvis comes out on stage and uh, just as the applause dies down after I got a woman, he says, uh, oh, and for those who'd like to know, Muhammad Ali just won the fight. <laughs> quickly says, and for the, we'll have more news at 11, you know, like a newsreader. And it's that, that, that sort of thing, I, I, I just can't get enough of it and I love it. And the other thing that came out is a vinyl of from Elvis Presley Boulevard, which is on uh, what they call Boulevard Blue. Now, I just wanted to quickly ask you about the, the vinyls, Michael. I didn't originally... Didn't get them because I thought, well, I've got all these on, on the CD set. You know, now they were quite expensive and still are, but they, they've become ridiculously collectible. Yeah, it's, it's a disease, the collecting, because I, I collect the CDs, but I also collect every magazine I can find with Elvis in it, any bit of memorabilia. And the vinyl, if you're into it, it doesn't matter what's on it, let's be honest. If it's got a blue vinyl and a nice picture of Elvis, it's something else to put on your shelf. So although personally I won't get all of them, I tend to try and stay in my lane with the buying of the music. You know, I, I'm not, I don't hold anything against Follow That Dream for releasing them and people buying them. It is... It's the nature of collecting, though, where people, if there's limited edition, people buy it and then put it up, the joy of the internet, for exorbitant prices, but things are worth what people will pay, unfortunately. I'd love it if everything was cheap, but unfortunately it's not. And if all the Elvis fans are spending more money on their vinyl, it means when one of Elvis's clothing items or something that I want to own all of go up, they'll be too poor to buy it. So my theory is all you Elvis fans direct your money to the vinyl because then I can buy everything else. Well, they've just released, uh, uh, I think it's called Elvis Live 1972, which is a compilation of things from... Uh, Elvis on tour a double LP and that's like here in Australia it's like nearly $80 for something that you've just bought on CD how good does it look though have you seen it I've ordered it it's don't worry good. but no, 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 there you go it's, it's pretty you gotta own it you put it on your wall so I was actually tempted by that one and as I said I'm not a vinyl collector vinyl I think a lot of the time it is about looking at it, touching it, picking it up, which I admit with a CD, you can have a beautiful album cover and it's quite small so you don't get to enjoy it as much. So I do own some of the the prettier albums. So 
Yeah. Well, I always I, had a, a, a joy to try and get a copy of each of the original albums because obviously when I was, uh, you know, growing up being an Elvis fan in the, in the late mid late seventies, etc., I was getting reissue copies of these. I wanted one of the original ones, and I've, I'm still chasing a few. Uh, and I think the attraction of the vinyl—that's what I was listening to as a kid—and that's maybe what I've gone back to because it was pointed out. Wasn't it the vinyl that you were listening to that attracted you first? So perhaps that's got something to do with it. I could talk. For I'm more. A, I could talk forever about vinyl, though. I'm more a 45 man, and that's a more dangerous path because oh. if you want to get every 45 from every country and every release, you're in real trouble. That said, you know, I say I don't collect vinyl, and then every time I go to you know a market or a vintage store or whatever else, I'm the first one down in front of the milk crates digging through, going, "Must save that! Must save that! Must save that!" And I don't even know what I've got anymore, Grant. I just I just buy it, take it home, and it goes with you know the collection of the other five Heartbreak Hotels. Well, the worst part is when you buy something and you think to yourself, "Oh, there's a new variation." You come home to put it away and you've already got it. Yep, been there, done that many times. I've even done that with books at this point. Like, oh, another book, do I have it? Oh, I'll just pick it up. Oh, uh, no, I already got it. That's all right. I'm always happy I can pass some along to people anyway. <laughs> now, the, the last thing I wanted to, uh, to talk about, Michael, is a, is a sad one. I've saved it till the end. And that's the, the sad passing of, of Lisa Marie Presley. I, I'm sure you were the same. I, I was at home this particular day when the news started coming through and I, I, I was just gobsmacked. I just couldn't believe it. You know, I was actually more upset than I thought. Obviously, I haven't contemplated what it would be like when Lisa Marie passed away, but I was actually, I was pretty shaken for about a week, like thinking about it. And, you know, we've both had the pleasure of meeting Lisa Marie and I've seen her in concert four times. I know her music's a little bit different from Elvis's music, so it's acquired taste for some people. I quite, I thought she was quite talented her own way. But I think what struck me more is she's the last direct link to Elvis. She was Elvis's flesh and blood, and she looked so much like him, which made him made it more intense. The first time I saw her would have been would have been about 20 years ago. The first time she came to Australia, she was touring her first album. And I'll never forget she was about halfway through the concert and just starting to get sweaty and, you know, the hair falling over the face. And she looked strikingly like Elvis, you know, when he's halfway through a concert that he's starting to sweat away, the, the hair's fallen down. And then you, you see her in interviews and obviously she was a bit more reserved than Elvis and things, but just so down to earth and just had that same, same vibe as Elvis. And now that she's gone, obviously the grandkids are still here and we've still got Priscilla that knew Elvis and things like that. But the numbers are dwindling for people that had those first-hand accounts. And she was the living, breathing, direct descendant of Elvis. And so it's sort of now Elvis is moving into that mythology further and further away. And I think that's sad because each year, you know, you watch who's appearing at for Elvis week. And originally there was the mafia, Memphis mafia guys would be there and more stars, more people, more movie co-stars, more people that were in his band. But now we're getting sort of second generation people, people that, you know, children of the mafia, I see sort of turn up now in Memphis events and people that met Elvis once or twice, because the reality is like we're moving further and further away from that direct contact. And for us, especially someone like myself that never got to see Elvis, you know, will never will. It was something that made Elvis more human. It was a, a, you can meet her and 
she's Elvis's flesh and blood, and I think we'll we'll never experience that again. That's just sad. Again, the Presley family, like look at look at the lifespan. I know now they they talk about is it genetics that they all pass away so early? You know, is it other factors possibly? But you know, Gladys went young. Even Vernon, I wouldn't say he was an old man when no. he left us. Elvis forty two. That's my age. And now Lisa Marie, she's still a young woman. It's like, it's just really sad. I I I go through it a lot at night. I, I think about you know the different times when I got to to meet her, and she was just so nice. And and you know my, my camera mucked up at the time, but you know she was so yeah. No worries, just take your time, get it right. You know you want your photo to have that particular memory of, of seeing her. But I think one of the things that I'll never forget too is we actually went to Elvis Week in 2017. And I was sitting actually in the new Elvis Presley's Memphis, which is near where the coffee shops and all the sort of things are. Everybody else is waiting to go into the house. I'm thinking, I'm not standing up. I've done that. It's crazy. You know, from five in the afternoon till three, four o'clock in the morning, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to stay up all night. When the line goes down, then we'll go over. And we were sitting there and the security starts walking past. And it was Lisa with her, with the twins and Benjamin going into the sweet shop. And so quickly, you know, I've got in to the sweet shop before they closed it. So I was you know, li- literally just right there and I'm thinking, say something, say something. And all I could think <laughs> to say was, I love you, Lisa. <laughs> well, when I, when I met her the first time. Then, then, they, then they ushered me out, of course. <laughs> <laughs> when I met her the first time, I was, you know, like I wouldn't say I'm that shy, but I was that, I don't know, excited, nervous, didn't know what to do, that like the first full sentence Lisa Marie said to me is you're shaking because I, I stood by her for a photo and I put my, my arm behind her and I was, I was like I just remember my whole like body was moving and the poor poor woman's got this stranger standing next to her like shaking her whole body but she was very calm about it she just goes she's shaking I was like oh I'm sorry I'm nervous so I was a little better the second time but yeah, but she, you know, she was. She was very relaxed, down to earth, and she appreciated the Elvis fans. And you know, I don't think that that not everybody that's the the child of a superstar is that same way. You know, she could be bitter for the things that you know the Elvis passing early, things like that. But you know, she'd turn up to the events. She was always polite to the fans. Would give them time, and you know, even I, I was lucky enough to see Benjamin the first time that I saw her as well. And that's a whole other story. How sad that is. Like mm. again, you know, Elvis's last like male descendant there gone as well. So, on the upside, Riley Keough. She's she's doing so well, so I think that's fantastic. I haven't seen that new series that she's in, but I hear it's going very well, and she sings in it. So I've heard a couple of songs online. So you know the talent. She's a great actress. She's doing things that you know Elvis wanted to do in his acting career. So I'm happy about that, and hopefully the twins. You know they're still young, but hopefully they have a bright and least happy future ahead of them as well. Now I was going to leave Lisa till last, but it's a, we're actually going all right. And there is one thing I did want to talk to you about. And that is something that's just hit Netflix. And this is Agent Elvis. Now, for those who don't know, it's an adult comedy action. I don't know what you call it, but it's 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 taken people by storm. I've had so many different reactions and everybody knows how much of an Elvis fanatic I am. But I've had people say, no, you've got to see it. I've had people advising me not to watch it. I don't know what to do. Well, I think... What would Elvis think is the question that a lot of people seem to ask on the Elvis forums I'm on. And I like to think, okay, what would Elvis think? You've got to go back to the 10 young, outstanding 
Men in America, what was that called, that Elvis won the award? And what did he say in his speech? He said, when I was a boy, I was a dreamer. I was the hero in every comic book. Well, he's now the star of a comic book. He's a secret agent in it. Elvis went and met Nixon to get a badge offering his services to the government. I know it sounds outlandish, but it's not that much of a stretch from what Elvis wanted to do. So, look, fans are going to love it. Fans are going to hate it. There's Elvis purists, and I don't hold anything against them that think there shouldn't be Elvis remixes. We shouldn't fear off anything that Elvis did. We shouldn't tamper with his music. We shouldn't tamper with his image. But I'd argue it's inspired by Elvis, just like the movie, and... People will watch that and then they'll look into the real Elvis. The problem is it goes against Elvis's public image, I guess, like we are talking about earlier. Um, Elvis never swore in a movie. There was no real sex in an Elvis movie. There was no violence outside of Elvis beating up Red West every second movie. <laughs> um, whereas I have heard, and I will admit I haven't seen it. I've read a lot about it. I'm waiting till I have uh, not my five-year-old next to me at the house because I've heard <laughs> the idea. content of it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's got bad language, scatter talks, and he's got a dirty mouth apparently. Um, but again, it's it's a character inspired by Elvis. It's not about Elvis, but it's got Elvis music. You're going to sit down, take it for what it's meant to be, which is something light. It's not not for children. It's made very clear. So do I have anything against it, even though I haven't seen it and I know roughly what's in it? Not personally, but I think if you're someone that wants the real Elvis or the tamer image of Elvis, I think you just got to be smart and not watch it. People tend to get, at least online, I, I have a lot of my Elvis interactions online, people get very passionate about when anything that deviates from Elvis's image or anything Elvis gets tampered with and basically go, oh, if you're a real Elvis fan, you wouldn't be into this. Well, what's the definition of a real Elvis fan? I find that very frustrating. If you are if you like Elvis, you're a fan of Elvis. It doesn't matter what part of Elvis's image or story that you're into. So for me, I think it's it's rated, at least here, it's M, so it's for mature audiences. You're not meant to be watching it if you're a kid. And the joy of streaming services is you're not even going to turn the TV on and randomly see it. You need to go select it. So if you don't want to watch it, don't push it. But pretty interesting, Priscilla is in it as Priscilla. I'm going to watch it just for that. Elvis and Priscilla are back together, though Elvis is now Matthew McConaughey, and his voice sounds nothing like Elvis. That's probably the one thing that I find a little annoying because Austin did his voice so well and now I have to hear someone do his voice not very well. Well, Michael, when we've both had a chance to see it, we must get you back on the podcast and we can talk a little bit more about it and all things Elvis. It's, it's been great to talk to you. It's been like we've been talking for five minutes and uh, thanks so much for your time. And, yeah, we'll get you back on the podcast in the future and especially to uh, talk about Follow That Dream and your favourite album covers. I'd love to hear those. <laughs> more than happy to do it. I'll start, I'll start looking at them all now and I'll have plenty to say about those, Grant. Don't you worry. Good on you, Michael. Thanks again for your time. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Elvis Cast. Subscribe or follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. Just search for Elvis Cast. All the links and contact information can be found on my website, elviscast.com. 